Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We're now one episode into this grand experiment, and I'm not sure if we've learned anything concrete at this point. I think it's safe to say that the EP surprised Pete and Tim. Going into this, they were under the impression that the hip is a very special band with cultural significance and the whole nine. And then their first foray into said music gave them werewolf baby. Now, before you go sending me nasty emails, know that in my heart, the EP has a charming place on the mantle. I wouldn't hide from the music on the EP, nor, however, would I seek it out. Now, though, we move on to a more honed and refined version of our bar band from Kingston. Up to here is a taste of the South delivered on the backs of songs that have stood the test of time. Produced by famed knob turner, Don Smith, who had previously worked with the likes of U2, The Traveling Wilburys, and Keith Richards, to name just a few. At any rate, let's just say the hit picked up what Don Smith was putting down, and together, they birthed the classic. That's what I think anyway. What, though, will our friends Pete and Tim think of up to here on their first listen? Let's find out in this episode of Getting Hip to the Hip. Long Slice Brewery presents Getting Hip to the Hip. Hey, it's JD here, and welcome to Getting Hip to the Hip, a Tragically Hip podcast. I'm here, as always, with my friends Pete and Tim, and I want to ask them right up front. How are you doing, boys? Doing swell. Doing great. It's Monday, Monday morning in Portland, and there's frost on the ground. Oh, really? Not here? Yeah, yeah. A little snow. Malaga is, oh. it's Monday night in Malaga, and, um, you know, it's a thunderstorm right now outside, so I hope my internet holds up, but mm, uh, it's it's getting chilly, man. We're definitely into winter, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, God. What does that mean? Like 20 degrees? It's, well, it's it's 16 right now, you know, that's... <laughs> oh, I'm crying chilly. for you. What is it here right now? <laughs> It's four. <laughs> oh, God, man. No, thanks. <laughs> Jeez. I'm a hard you know, Canadian. I, I, four, four is good for this time of year. Four is like your, your coat's unzipped and you're drinking a stout. I can't drink no stouts here. Let me tell you, man. I'm, I'm sticking a light beer. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm well into the stouts. That's for sure. So up to here, I believe it's recorded in Memphis. Uh, I'm going to double check that right now. Yep, Memphis, Tennessee. And it's got that sort of uh, muddy southern feel to it. You know, it's it's like a well, it, it's like a well-worn in pickup truck. You know, it's got some, it's got some mud on the sides. It's really comfortable to drive. Um, that's what this record is. And uh, it, it comes on the tail of their 87 EP. But in those two years, the growth to me anyway seems marked you know like there there is a marked growth in terms of 
you know the songwriting and the songwriting uh the the lyrics in particular but the but the content you know is is just a little more worn in like a great pair of jeans what do you guys think pete wow um <clears throat> well you said something in the beginning of the of 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 your kickoff and it's it's really hard because i wanted to make this note because i know that you there's probably some pretty hardcore hip fans listening to this so given the yeah given the fact that there's only a week to um to listen to these to really dig into them you know i'm just basically on behalf of tim and myself begging for forgiveness you know don't send hate mail because it's 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 tough like it's i know Tim is really a solid music connoisseur, probably well more than I am. And, you know, Uh. no, but, you know, he's he's pretty thoughtful. But 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 I I thought about it, too, like like bands that I really love, like, God, man, what would I how what would my reaction be for listening to two jokers who never heard this before and have a week to listen to it? You know, what what would they you know what I'm saying, Tim? Do you, do, JD, do you feel me? Like, I, I feel like there's daggers toward us, you know? First of all, uh, Pete at gettinghiptothehip.com is where you want to go with your complaints uh, about... Uh, no, I'm kidding. But um, you got to think in terms of uh, context here. Everyone gets the conceit of the show. People got this record. People got their hands on this record. And they got to sit with it for a year before the next record came out. So yeah, uh, yeah, you know, just asking for, for forgiveness. But all in all, to what your 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 point was, um, JD. I, I mean, I did. I know we're gonna go song by song, but I just want to say I I started off with this record, this kind of the same way I did the other one, um, the last EP. First, I started off on my computer, was not feeling it. Um, pop the pop the earbuds in went for a run with it, really started to warm up to it. And then I took it out in the car. And and JD, you've been in my car, so you know that's got a premium audio sound system in it. Yeah. And uh, oh man, oh man, it is, I want to walk into a roadhouse somewhere in Memphis and this band's playing and just, oof, there's a lot of crunch, man. Oh, I dig it. I got lots to say, but I'll send it over to Tim. Well, I, I had a similar um, reflection. I was talking to my wife the other day and about the band, and and I said to her, you know, what if my favorite band was in a podcast, someone else was reviewing it, and what if they didn't like it? What if they loved it, or what have you? You know, and either way, I thought, well, hopefully, if I, you know, if I'm an open-minded pod listener to my favorite band hopefully it would be entertaining hopefully it'd be, it'd be funny to hear these two schmucks talking about what they think you know and with without much background at all it's kind of like what i said last time without you know ever trying a certain type of food it's like oh my god okay let's do this but i um with this album i Yes, I started it in the car, and it just seemed like really good road trip music. I totally concur with you, Pete, about it being awesome in the car. Felt like road trip music. Felt like um, you know I wanted to drive to go see a show or go see a show by them. Um, definitely worked in the car. Listened to it at home a fair amount. Um, 
I think in general it feels, you know, production value definitely more polished than the last album we listened to. Totally. Yet, it, yet very familiar. Like the storytelling is still there. Right. Um, the song structures changed a little bit, but like the the DNA is definitely still there with, compared to the last album. Yeah, it's like pinnacle, top perfection, bar rock. I, yeah, I heard, um, you know, George Thorogood, like guitar. I just heard this bluesy rock and roll bar kind of just awesome riffing. And I, you know, now that you mentioned it being in Memphis, I just absolutely heard some country yeah. wow. kind of rock and roll tones in there. Oh, big hearts. time, big time. Elvis, you know, it, there's... There's definitely some of that in there from Memphis for sure. More so, much more so than the last album. Interesting. So experience wise, did you prefer this record to the last record or not? Or where, where, where were you there? Uh, for me, you know, I, I kind of likened the last record as a pizza with the works. Like, where is this going? Kind of thing. Right. Um, throw it all together and see what we get. And this one is for sure an evolution. So I'm, um, whether, uh, you know, I would say, sure, I like it more, but it just, to me also just feels like an evolution and I'm curious, I was describing it to a friend and, um, and, uh, actually to my wife actually. And she was like, it sounds like it's just going to get better. And I said, well, I, I definitely hope so <laughs> as we listen. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what makes this interesting to me getting your first listens in on these records that were seminal to not only me, but to a great swath of our country and places, uh, you know, near and far. I'm curious whether the evolution continues for you. And I think that it's going to be fascinating as we, as we roll into things. So Tim, uh, Thanks for that. Now, Pete, uh, what have you got in terms of last questions or comments on this record? Or do you have any? Let me know. Oh, there was one question I was going to ask you too, JD. Um, diamond status. Yeah. So that's Canada's version of platinum. But I'm curious right. to know why they have that different um, uh, status when, for example... If you have the Stones or the Beatles who are from the UK, does the UK have a different? I don't know if they have a different one. I've never heard if they have a different one. I know that you guys have Diamond. Like America has Diamond as well. It's do 10 we? million copies. Yeah, it's 10 million copies. We do. It's 10 times, it's 10 times what huh. we have. So Diamond in Canada is 1 million and Platinum in Canada is 100,000. Okay, I see. And it, it jives out because America has roughly 10, 10 times the population. So, you know, 100,000 and uh, a million. What, what's interesting, though, is the province of Quebec, which is, you know, I think 11, 10 or 11 million people. They have artists that have in the past consistently uh, hit platinum status uh, or diamond status, rather, uh, with 100,000 pardon me, a million copies of a record, which is staggering, you know, when you figure the rest of Canada has a difficult time putting together a million uh, a million sales in records. Now, this is 
all off the table now that we don't sell records anymore. But back in the day, this was a, you know, a big marker of things. Um, so yeah, you have, uh, you have Quebec that, uh, just is, you know, able to market themselves to, um, it's because they can That's put crazy. up stuff in French and they can, they can, yeah. you know, they, they have access to that audience. That's crazy. Yeah. It was a lot of questions. What were you listening to in 89? Do you remember? Either of you guys? Yes. Where I were mean, you at? I was senior in high school. Yeah. Yeah, it was everything from Southern California punk rock. Um, yeah, we had a lot of local punk rock going on, and we had, um, you know, I had friends in punk rock bands. Um, but, you know, kind of flip the rock and roll coin. I was also listening to, like, Oh, um, a lot of new wave, holy cow, a lot of new wave kind of influence for my sister. Um, and that's everything eighties new wave. And then also I was for a period there, like a big fan of the cult. You know, I like Epic guitar. I don't always need it, but I like a band that has, you know, backbone, drum, bass, blah, blah, blah. But I love a, a great guitar player and the hip has definitely some guitar going on. Yeah, 89, 89, I was, I was young, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a tad younger than you guys, but 89, I was coming out of like some l late stage Steely Dan and, and uh, Huey Lewis sports was just, I mean, goddamn. Nice. I, I don't think there was a bigger album in my, and, and we talked about that last week, you know, some, some Huey Lewis uh, vibes in there. And then, you know, I just feel like I, I went right into, you know, uh, Guns N' Roses and, and the Motley Crue of that time before getting thrust into, you know, 90s grunge like everybody else did with Alice in Chains and, and, and you know, Soundgarden and eventually Nirvana. I was a big Pearl That was kind of where I was at. Okay. Yeah, I was a Pearl Jam guy. And, um, but that was later. Um, that was, you know, into the nineties back in 89, when this came out, I was listening to hair metal. I was straight up listening to hair metal. And, uh, I recalled on the intro, the cold open of the first episode, you know, when I heard the hip for the first time and the impact that it made on me, you know, um, in spite of the, the garishness of the hair metal that I was listening to. There was something that I really liked about this pickup truck band from Kingston. And, you know, there's a, a lot to like on this record for sure. So what do you say we get into it and uh, attack this sucker track by track? Yeah. Good to go, man. All right. So we kick off with Blow It High Doe. Tragically hip. 
I mean, to me, that just that just crushed it as the first song. You know, it was uh, it just hit the ground running, which I love. You know, I, I'm really into checking out song orders. And there was a while, many, 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 many years ago, I was hoping to be a fan of song three. Like there's just like there was a cadence to some albums that I really enjoyed. And this song as a song one, it was super good. I mean, this is kind of where I mentioned hearing guitar licks that you'd hear from George Thorogood or, you know, it was very kind of smithereens, Tom Petty friendly in that way. Um, some of the lyrics like, Oh, what do I have? Don't get ahead of yourself or faster. It gets the less you need to know. I love that line faster. It gets the less you need to know. It's like, just keep the momentum going. And that's, that's also a song that was, that was awesome in the car. Well, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I mean, what a, what a, fucking banger of a first tune the slide i had the same thing i, I very much got some thorough good tunes or vibes in there the way the song starts out i think with the drums and then a little crunch guitar and then that the the when in my notes i wrote down the layers the way they layer the song into getting it getting the ball rolling and it just it just in 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 from the no disrespect to the ep but but leaps and bounds recording quality wise just production ever leaps and bounds it was just yeah it got me like well like this is gonna be a fucking this is gonna be a good record i was very excited from that first track absolutely all right we'll, we'll stick with you and move into i'll believe in you or i'll be leaving you tonight which it took me a minute to, to get the play on words there. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a bit dense. I'm a blonde. You can't see that <laughs> for just you listeners out there. But um, the, the riff in there is just so catchy. Like, I think at first I was like, oh, this is like a typical, like a late 80s riff. And I'll make that reference a couple times for a few songs here. But it always like... The more I listened to it, and I was like, I want to try to play that. And I took out the guitar, and I was like, well, that's fucking cool, man. Like, it's just cool. Like, it's cool to play, and it's just – it sounds cool. And it, it, I can imagine playing it, you know, back in that time. I mean, if I was alive in that time, it's just like – it's just – I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time articulating myself, but it's – it's it was it's a really – love that jam. We're not rock critics, so we're we're right. people who are telling it like it's Oh yes, we know. are. <laughs> oh I forgot. <laughs> Put your quill away. <laughs> what did you think of what did you think of this one, Lester Bangs? <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a similar feel, like it was cranking in the car really well. Um, I found myself I didn't know what to call it. I was doing the the chin back and forth kind of right. to to the beat of you know to the cadence of the song. It was like kind of reminded myself I was like I'm doing kind of the chicken thing right now. You know, it just had this good tempo. Um, the two minute mark around then is when Gord starts kind of talk singing as he does sometimes, and then it moves into as Pete mentioned the the big guitar riff. Um, and I enjoy when the structure changes up a little bit. I think the last album I felt like there was 
more consistency and structure, which made me lose my interest a little bit. So I like gotcha. it when when the tempo changes or there's like a build up, slow down, build up, you know, and this this had um, this had a good speed to it. Uh, there's also definitely some country music influence in there. I mean, I could hear it right away. That's so interesting to me. I'd have to listen yeah. really hard to hear to find country in there. But uh, yeah, if you if but you I believe listen to like some I, some yeah some old school kind of country, and it just reminds me of like the era from when Elvis started to go a little more rock and roll. Like it just it's very Memphis. It's it's definitely influenced by the region. I I feel all right. The next track on the record is another single from this record it's probably one of the songs that if you do meet somebody that knows the tragically hip they might know this song okay it, it stands you know it, it stood the test of time in their live set throughout the 90s it was a fertile place for them to play when they played it live it was a fertile place for them to jam inside of and introduce or workshop new songs so you'd get like a record two years down the road from a time that you saw them live and there'd be this worked out song, but um, you'd, you'd, you'd hear this rough, you know, this rough lyric phrase or a, a, a lick that maybe is familiar on a record two years down the road. It was, it was such a cool little thing to, to hear them, you know, jam these songs out and you'd go see them. I would see them like multiple nights in a row and it would be different. Like, it wasn't like they were just fucking around. And, uh, like, it was spontaneous and it was very storytelling. And, uh, yeah. So I'm talking way too much here. This is your show. <laughs> New Orleans is sinking. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd love to hear a version of this song where they, they take it longer or they jam out it and or something like that. Because first listen, uh, you know. The story is actually pretty doom and gloom sounding. It's, um, you know, it's kind of about maybe giving up. I don't know. It just, it felt like, um, you know, there was, there was some, there was some dark, heavy thoughts in there. And then it felt just as, as a song on the album, it felt a little bit filler to me. It was more staple. It was more regular hip. It just like had the the typical structure I've heard thus far. Wow! So I I didn't think I loved it. That is I liked the wild. idea of the song, but it just felt kind of like okay, this is a this is a song three hip hip song. No, no. Oh wow! It'll be interesting to hear if this changes. I hope so. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I want to hear. I want to hear more versions of it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, like I was saying, I, I like it that. when songs have some. You should too. Have some change or cadence change or an up and a down, and this just felt like okay. This is song three. What are we gonna do for four? Oh wow! Sorry, hip hip fans who who have that as a favorite. <laughs> it, it's, it's not mine yet. Well, I, I'm gonna read from my notes too, but before I do, real quick, I gotta say this song just by the title and the way that it started. I got this really weird feeling and I, I'm going to indulge me for just one moment uh, with a story. Um, I remember when Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005. Tim, you, you remember. I mean, oh, yeah. J.D., I don't know if the news of it was as big in your neck of the woods as it was oh, yeah. us. It was yeah, huge. It was, it was huge. But the night the hurricane uh, made 
you know, let landfall, so to speak. I remember listening to a, a guy, you may or may not have heard of him. He used to do some uh, something called Freeform Radio. He's, he's the godfather of Freeform Radio. His name is Jim Ladd. Nationally syndicated, but he's from L.A. And I remember smoking weed on my on my uh, on my patio there. And he he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be really bad." It was before like the hurricane even made landfall. And uh, he said, this is going to be really bad. And he started. The song he played was When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin. And it was just really dark and haunting. So I got that same vibe when I started listening to this mm-hmm. song. And I was like, like, Gord's fucking vocals on this are up into this song, from everything I've heard from the EP, were the most extreme, in my opinion. Just the most range, the most talent. Like, if I was a record producer and I had heard this as a demo, I'd be like, sign this fucking band. This guy's off the charts. Um, There's a a mention of somebody named Colonel Tom in the song. And I I don't know who Colonel Tom is. JD, if you got a line on this, let me know. But my initial thought was, go go ahead, Tim, or whoever knows. No, you tell us your initial thought. My initial thought was it was a David Bowie reference. The space up, mm. but uh, I could ah. be wrong. Yeah. I, 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 I just read two references. One was just it was about the North versus the South, you know, Civil War back 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 then. But then I also read a reference said that it had to do with Elvis's manager, which made me think, Colonel okay, Mem- yeah, Colonel Tom Parker. So I think that's what it ties to in Memphis and all of that. That makes sense. Yeah, they talk about they. Uh, now, this is like Gord's first foray into writing most of the songs. He's handling most of the lyrics, but not all of the lyrics. Uh, and why am I saying this? Oh, because they talk about his notebook. He he was notorious for having always having a notebook on him and just writing down phrases. And you know, like he would write full lyric, full lyrics or, or stanzas or whatever. But even if he if he heard something that he thought was cool, like a cool turn of phrase, he would write that down. So maybe it was even you know like like Colonel Tom from Memphis, and and, that, and that's literally the only thing that's relevant about that lyric is that one individual moment. Yeah, you know, it might not be the story of the rest of the song. You know, sure. yeah. I don't know though. Yeah. Colonel Tom Parker. That's what I've always thought. Good. Yeah. What a song, though, man. What a what a fucking song. I mean, it is just chock full of dirt. You know, it's a dirty song, right? It's yeah, it is dirty, it's muddy. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's. I just thought it was also yeah. I I agree. I agree. I just uh, yeah. Let's just. There's other tracks that you like better. That's cool. That's totally cool. It's not. It's not on my top ten list. So I'd like to hear other know, versions of it, maybe other live versions of it, and see how they. Me too. It, it it became a staple for sure. It was a it was sure. a staple. Yeah, that's that's exactly what my take of it was. Whereas the the next song was not so much a staple early on. It was, but it didn't live on in the set list for forever. But it's a great example of Gord, you know, sort of weaving a yarn here and telling a story and using actual Canadian history, but giving it a a unique spin so you know he's playing with things a little bit but he's telling the story and then he makes it about his own family what do you guys think of 38 years old Chairman Doug Lou, 
73 From Millhaven Maximus Traffic just lined up Across the front page Seems the mountain's had a summertime Long way Well the chief told the people There's nothing to fear so The last thing they want to do Is hang around here Most of came town long French name For one another dozen words A hometown shame same pattern on the table, same clock on the wall Been one seat empty 18 years now Freezing slow time away from the world He's 38 years old, never kissed a girl He's 38 years old, never kissed a girl We're sitting on the table, heard the telephone ring Father said he'd tell him if he saw anything At the top of the window in the middle of the night Held back the curtains for my older brother Mike See my sister got raped, so a man got killed Local boy went to prison, man's buried on the hill Mother cried the horror, finally ceased He whispered, yeah, for the time being at least Over his shoulder, squad come make a phone Said, let's go, Michael, son, we're taking you home Same pattern on the table, same clock on the wall Been one seat empty, 18 years now He's 38 years old, never kissed a girl He's 38 years old, never kissed a girl He's 38 years old, never kissed a girl Um, it's crazy. So I, um, 
I, I, I ended up this, this above all songs I ended up doing the most research on I started researching the prison and like there was a guy who was shot there years ago and he was, his last name was Trudeau. And I was like, was he related to the prime minister or whatever? It's like, like all this, this miraculous wow. rabbit hole that I went down, but getting back to the song, I got to be totally honest with you. So I know you guys feel me on this. When you look at like records during this time that came out, you'd have the first one or two to three songs would be just these fucking bangers. And then song four, just you can look in the structure of the record is going to bring it down a little bit. It's going to like, kind of like, okay, everybody relax. You think about it, like even a, playing a live show, that's just the way that these, that they, the records were made back in the day. And I, I start hearing that, and I'm hearing this this song come in with the guitar, and I'm like, oh, this is I'm like, man, those first three songs were fucking bangers, and like now they're just gonna it's gonna be this fucking cheesy, yeah, just you know, give me some acoustic, a little bit of love, whatever. And I gotta say, this is probably my favorite song on the record, and it took some evolution on my part because first I started digging in the lyrics, and I was like, you know, there's there's you know rape uh prisoners murder like all this crazy shit and i'm like what the fuck is this what, what the fuck is going on here um and then you know ultimately just the song itself like the melody and everything involved was just it's just it's a I, I probably my favorite song on the record sorry spoiler alert but yeah i loved it loved it it gave the record legs. I think this is the fourth single from the record, maybe the third or fourth single. So there were four singles on the record, uh, and I want to say this is the third, but it might have been the fourth. So gave it some legs as well. What do you Favorite think, Tim? I'm just confirming. 38 years old. Favorite song? Confirming. On this record? Yeah. I just think it's really at 38 years old. Um, was it never been kissed? Never made love? Yeah, never kissed a girl. Yeah, just, just, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like, and this is crazy, and, and uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, and I'll probably be. If you kick me off this podcast, I after what I'm about to say, <laughs> I totally get it. But a lot of, a lot of hip lyrics, especially this song about something historical, I really get some um, uh, uh, Gordon Lightfoot vibes from, man. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You yeah. know, and I get same name, I guess, but you know, I don't, it just, and that guy, I fucking, fucking love Gordon Lightfoot. If you don't like it and you want to kick me off the pod, be my guest. That's the no. hill I will die on. We'll keep you. Um, I think, I, I thought, okay, this is some more kind of dark, gloomy storytelling. And I feel like I, you know, you could, I, I, on an album, I don't need too much of that. Oh. I don't need a lot of that. And me personally. And I, then I also thought, okay, if I'm at a hip show, and some dude next to me is like yelling for this song to be played. <laughs> I think that's a little weird. Like when, when would they play this song at a live show? It's just like, uh. I, it's just, it's, um, it's just a little much, you know, maybe Gordon knew that Gordon knew that in the future, true crime would be a thing. 
you know, podcasts and TV shows and everything. Because it just feels like, I mean, a song about rape and killing. It's, it's about just family. like, I, how many times do you need to hear that? I don't need to hear it very many wow. times. So I thought it was super heavy and, um, you know. Like lyrically, just too much. Yeah, storytelling is just a lot. You know, maybe I'm too sensitive or something. But I was like, yeah, if I'm at this show with my girlfriend and some dude just keeps yelling to hear the song, we're going to move. I've always said <laughs> that the hip is really funny with their, cause I came from the same school that Pete did, uh, with, you know, especially heavy metal where it was like banger, banger, banger. And then like ballad, yeah, and, you yeah, know, the too. ballads would be where you would slow dance and you would make out on the dance floor, you know, after you were head banging and stuff like that. And I just think the tragically hip does the same thing. They do two mm. slow songs or two ballads on every record kind of thing ish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the subject matter is never something that you would want to slow dance or make out to. <laughs> like it's always <laughs> fucking heavy, heavy shit. And really when you think about it, it's like C G D a minor, uh, on an acoustic guitar, you know, it's like a three or four chord song that fits in the realm of those heavy metal ballads. But then you put that story about family over top of it. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is unreal. Yeah. And you know, it overall just comprises them into this epic band that can go there like not many bands even do something like that lyrically or with storytelling you know so you know it's so part of me was like okay what makes me feel uncomfortable about this because i appreciate the music and all the effort and creativity and i was like it's because bands don't really do this often sinister type storytelling uh maybe i know a person or two who kind of fits this mold of a character a little bit to a degree, you know, it's just like, wow. Okay. What's the next song for me? All right. The, the, the song, when I heard the guitar start and I got to tell you, I, JD, I don't know if I told you this. I know I didn't mention this to you to Tim, but um, the very much got some, you know, with those, those, that rock ballad, some nothing or uh, nothing and nothing else matters vibes from Metallica. And, Growing up in Downey, where I was born, you know, James Hetfield went to my high school. So, like, you, you, oh, wow. if you weren't a Metallica fan, like, you, you were, you were, you could be excommunicated from the city. Like, everybody was a Metallica <laughs> fan. Like, you just, you just weren't not, you know, a Metallica right. fan. And getting, to Tim's question about why, or you, JD, you said why the hip never, I mean, it's the eternal question, why the hip never broke through. You know, here you got this ballad that everybody's expecting to like dance to at a concert or whatever, but then there's lyrics of like, you know, rape and murder and stuff. Like they, they did, they, they went outside the box and that's kind of cool because not a lot of bands do that. And so like they sacrificed the ability of being, you know, the ability of of fame or whatever it may be to have to be a fucking cool outside the box band. I don't know. That's my view. Well, there's some also like I was trying to say, there's some artistic merit to it. You know, if, if not a lot of bands go go there with something. I mean, I mean, at the same time, era late 80s, it's not like Morrissey wasn't talking about 
doom and gloom with Smith's right. or the cure or something. I mean, it was right there, right in there, but I don't know. And it, for me, it just hits differently when it's comprised of the, the sound formula that the hip have. And they're, he's just like letting the listener have it with this character. And it's just guitar driven rock and roll. It's just it's like heavy. a preacher that's, that's telling the congregation, like, like he's, he's saying some, some shit to the congregation that, hey, you may not like what you're about to hear, but you're going to fucking hear it whether you like it or not. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Exactly. That's, does that make sense to you, Tim? I mean, that's kind of the way for sure, I vibe For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to awesome. jump the gun, but I kind of had a similar, you know, mindset feel from the next song. She didn't. Well, let's go into it. She didn't know. I was going to say, it's sort of dark, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's couched in this in this uh, blues based lick sort of thing. You get a, a you know a nice groove in the in the in the yeah. in the in the back with the bass and the drums. But then those lyrics come in, and it's like, man, yeah, this is uh, some more broken hearted dark shit. At the same time, it does have this groove to it. There's almost this like. I don't want to say pop, but there's this, there's this, there's this beat to it that is a little bit different than the other songs. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, um, interesting. It's a well, little bit different, but, but there's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, 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 to me, it ties a little bit more back to the, the overall feel, not conceptually with lyrics, but from blow it high to like, there's a drive to it. There's a good, um, it, it embraced me more just musically. The song, it's it's it feels like a good sing along. Like I could hear the song on the radio driving across Canada. Me too. I'm I'm very curious why it wasn't a single. Uh, it, it's yeah, like it's the totally perfect length for a single. It's it's three yeah. minutes and thirty seconds. You know, it's uh, you're you're in, you're out. There's a nice bridge. You get a little bit of silliness. Maybe the subject matter. I, I don't know. But thirty eight years old was a single. So yeah. So. <laughs> What do you got, yeah. Pete? Well, I, I kind of, you know, just sticking with what Tim said, you know, the amount of tragedy <laughs> fitting with the name of the band um, uh, involved in the lyrics. I, I, I really think because a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the sound that, that, that Memphis, correct? It was recorded in Memphis. Yeah. Um, that that vibe is just it is consistent i mean i i feel like if you asked me where do you think this record was recorded pete i probably would have said memphis if i if like you had a gun to my head and i had to guess um just because this the overall sound of it um one thing i noticed really strangely and i don't know if you got this too tim um jd you may have noticed this listening to it so many more times but Moving from the end of this song into into Boots or Hearts, there's a vinyl crackle. There's a tape crackle. And and maybe the hardcore hip fans will get this. So at the end of of She Didn't Know, it the song ends with like a tape crackle. And then the begin it's something you don't at least I didn't hear on any of the other songs. You hear a tape crackle at the beginning of um Boots or hearts. I, yep. I heard it. I know what you're talking about. You, yep. you know what I'm talking about. It just I, I, I heard like, it. 
I heard it on my on my Sonos speaker. I heard it, and I went back and replayed it and stuck my ear over there. I was like, I was like, what the hell is that sound? I mean, I'm familiar with what that sound is, but I yeah. thought it was like coming from outside or something. Because it wasn't on any other tune, and I was like, right, right. I think if you did it on more tunes, it would take away from it. But to me, it's to me, it's like just an accoutrement that's like there to remind you that this is rustic. This is you know, this is coming out on CD, but this should be, you know, like vinyl was, vinyl wasn't as popular in 1989 as uh, cassettes and CDs were. CDs were really just emerging, but cassettes were like huge. But it was um, still recorded on tape, I would imagine. Yeah, yes. yeah, oh, for sure, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So you add a little bit of that into it and it's like, you know, it makes it sound more like authentic. I don't know. That's just my I mean, back. Back then, you know, BC Boys were doing some like needle hitting the the disc sound to start off songs, or you know, back then people were take starting to take other sounds as the beginning of songs or even endings of songs or whatever. So I think it kind of it fits definitely fits for 1989. Let's go to Boots, baby. There's the a line in there. I, I don't know. Do you, if there's one line in that song that gets me. Anybody, anybody want to throw a guess out there? I don't know. No, Tim, clue. JD. I, no, no. Okay. It's uh, even babies raised raised by wolves know the when they've been used. It's <laughs> yes. just like what yes. the fuck, man, dude. Well, that was, that was the that was the second wolf, the second wolf reference or song. That's right. You know, for sure. And there's more to come. I can't imagine what <laughs> hardcore hit fans are I, I, saying. I'm not right joking. There's more to come. Dude, These fucking that, douchebags, man. Bizarre. Uh, this song to me, it felt really long that it was not long. And it felt like a little more country than the last ones. Definitely. You know, boots or hearts, come on. You know, it's like, okay, is this the crossover song to the south of the United States to get more fans? Yeah, I just. The, the lyrics I wonder, it was fun. a single. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I can't imagine honestly, that it was a single, but it was a single. Who was managing these guys at the time who were like, we got it, we got it. We got to at least get the South. Because if you get the Southern Belt of the U.S., that's like, that could be a oh, business, yeah. you know. So, Absolutely. Yeah, when I heard the song, I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. They were after something here, and it seems very, there's too much more country to me. So I just kept moving. Well, if they, if you know, you also have to think too. Like, I don't know how long the recording process took for them, but if you're, you know, you're Canadian boys from where? Wh- which province are they from, JD? They're from Ontario, so they're from where I am. Ontario. About two hours, about two hours east of where I live. They live in King. Or they came from Kingston. Okay. Ontario. Yeah, Kingston. That's right. So if they, if you know. Maybe they've maybe they've individually traveled, but you're all there as a group of people. You're recording a record. It's your first full length studio album, and you're spending time in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, Tim. Then maybe the manager, the the higher ups, were maybe like, "Look, guys, we gotta we gotta do this." But also, you know, it's the same thing as. You know, that, that culture takes a hold of you. You know, you spend, JD, when you were over in the UK for the PAVE tour for a while, how quickly did it, I mean, it, we don't say it in the United States, but how quick did, did it take you to say cheers instead of thanks? 
you know? Yeah, yeah. It only takes a couple of days. and, and then Asking for the toilet. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, I, I just thought, like, it sounds so rude. Like, where's the, <laughs> hey, man, where's the toilet? You know? It just sounds rude, but it's just what everybody says. Yeah. So I, think, I, got, I, I got into takes, saying that really quickly. Half a beer. Yeah, <laughs> Tim, how long did it take you to say Los Servicios when you were over here in Madrid, man? I mean, you know, I, I've traveled around a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not long. It's a song called Every Time You Go.
go ahead, Tim, please. I, I feel like this is just a total hip song. It's got good structure, has an awesome drum backbone, you know, beat. Um, I like the chorus ad. Like, not all their songs have a strong chorus. So I like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It felt like maybe the last quarter of the song felt a little repetitive, like excessively repetitive. Like it just kept going a little bit, but I don't know, man, in the big snake pit, you know, it's, it's a song about taking risks, falling in love, you know, um, what else about it? It's, it's still, it's still kind of on the emotional high spectrum to me, but it's, uh, it's a good song. It's, uh, Oh, what did I have a note here about? Oh, the drawn out dramatic ending with the vibrato, you know, like that's just becoming a hallmark signature of some of the hip. And I'm just slowly, I'm just slowly accepting it as one of their things because it was really shocking to me on the first EP to hear excessive, excessive vibrato. It's like, woo, yeah, go. I, I gotta, I gotta say, gentlemen, this is the only song on the record that literally my notes are. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, it just nothing. I, and I listened so many times. I'm like, what the fuck am I missing? And I, I don't know. It's one of those songs where maybe, hopefully, in a year or two years, and I listen to it again, I'll be like, dude, yeah, there it is. But I just didn't. It couldn't. It was a sleep placebo. It just didn't do it. Well, I don't know why. Well, then you should talk about the next one because I was a, I was, I was similar with when the weight comes, comes down. Okay. Uh, my, I really liked the structure of the song. I liked the, I liked the tone of the guitar. One of the things, this and, well, another one I'll get into, but just I really think, like. There's a lot of thought put into the guitar tone there. Maybe people, I just think at that time, people were really obsessed. There wasn't a lot of tricks you could do on, you know, things like Logic or Pro Tools or whatever. So, like, whatever was coming out of that speaker was what was going to be on the tape. And guys were, like, dialing shit in. But the harmonies on um, when the weight comes down, I think... There's talent there, but it just takes away from the meat of the song. Mm. If I would, and and there's other songs on this record where I love the harmonies, but for me, that song just it just sounds like oh man, maybe it just didn't age well. I don't know, Tim. What do you, Tim? What do you think? I very few notes. I just thought, yeah, it's it's all right. I, I thought it was you know. Kind of heavy, weight comes down. I don't know. Oh, I, I didn't, at that point, I was like yearning for something a little bit more different through the tracks, which I think I got with the next song. Well, that's good because you're starting to disappoint me here. <laughs> well, trickle down. I mean, Gord's voice, he gets a little more adventurous with going low and high and high and low. Um, uh, there's a kind of a change at a minute and a half. Um, where the lyrics pause and you get some actual music. Like, he's storytelling a lot through these songs. You know, he's singing 
get into the chorus, the jam keeps going through many songs, but this one there's actually a, a pause with lyrics and you get some good um, you get some good guitar. There's like kind of these swing back into the lyrics with guitar. I don't know. I, I thought that was just better, a better composed song. You know the idea about it, you know, being poor, being on welfare, waiting for the check, you know. It's very, um, I think it's a song that probably was appealing or, you know, easily identifiable across Canada or the U.S. at the time, being down and out on your luck financially. I mean, who who has not, you know, been able to identify with that? So it's, it, to me, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty great song. This is, this was up there more. Well, I trickled down um, my notes. I wrote half on a paper, half on my phone. Um, again, guitar tone. I remember, I remember one of my first guitar teachers had a Mesa boogie triple rectifier stack. And this guy was obsessed with tone and just very similar, like early nineties, late eighties, sort of hair bandy, but just that tone just there that's there in that song. And this reminded me of like when I was listening to that song, I pictured Patrick Swayze. Do you know the line in Roadhouse when he goes, always be nice till it's time not to be nice. <laughs> you know, like, like I just, like, I just got that vibe, dude. Man. This is, this is a banger. Love it. This, this takes, I feel like the last couple songs, dip down a little bit for the record. There's a, there's a bit of a, of a valley, so to speak. And then it's like, man, put your, put your boots on, man. We're going back uphill. And this yeah. song takes me right back there. And I loved I love it. Love it. Same. Loved it. Yeah. So now that we're uphill and our boots are on, we yeah. get, we get what could be, uh, I'm going to tip my hand here and I'm sorry to tip my hand before you guys get to weigh in. The 11th track, the last track on this record, is on my top 10. Uh, okay. But I don't think it should have been the last track on the record. Like, I think Agreed. the last track on the record should be Another Midnight.
great song it left me either wanting to take a break from the hip for a bit and listen to something else or like it just what? it was i was a little stumped too dark for you i guess well let's focus on let's focus on another midnight first then so where do you where do you stand on that track Tim? i i overall yeah, yeah, I overall liked it. I don't have a whole lot of notes about it. I overall liked it. I, you know, I thought it fit well in there. Um, there was, as I kind of said about every time you go, there was a better mix between verse and chorus, you know, with song structure. Um, I love the one lighter that uh, we're all or we're a stolen Cadillac. Like, you know, I'm going to use that. I love that. That just makes me feel the pain of, you know, escape or trying to be better, do better. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was a pretty solid track. It's funny that line stood out to you. I mean, I noticed it. I love this song, man. I actually would have put this song at the end to close the record too. Um, and I'll give you my thoughts on opiated, but, um, this, the line that stuck out to me the most was burning like a cigarette long season. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. then the, the chorus, the core, I don't know if you'd call it the chorus, you'd call it maybe the pre-chorus 
because oh my, he's dying is the chorus more or less. I don't know. I don't. I don't write songs. I'm not a musician, and I don't play one on television. But uh, and the river don't sleep when the rotter one runs cold. That 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 entire stanza, if you will, I don't mm-hmm. know what we're gonna call it. Is it's fucking dude. I mean, that's Grammy shit, man. That's Grammy shit. Like I just, yeah, it's Grammy. so go. It comes together with the music so well. I'm like, man, that's one of the things that when I listen to this record, I'm like, yeah. Why did that band not fucking peak in the U.S. and all over the world? Because that is so good. It's so good. I mean, this could this could have been like a track three. You know, it was. I don't know. Had uh, just. Just a great song, good momentum, and it just it just had the makeup for it for me. Yeah, I would have made it a single for sure. Yeah, totally. It's a little long, three fifty six, but you could probably trim it up a, a bit. But I, I wouldn't because it's perfect. But uh, you know, I, yeah, I think it's a great. I think it's fucking great. <laughs> and it's just making me think. You know, Tim's sort of reaction to this album as a whole at this point is is making me come back to the fact that these guys at this point are like 23, 24 years old. This is some dark shit for like young men to be documenting. And it, it makes me wonder if that's a reflection of, you know, they've been a band since 84 in Canada. At this point they have a manager, you know, they're, they're, they're booking things. They're not just, you know, um, driving around willy-nilly touring. They're doing full-on tours uh, that are planned out, and they spent a fuck of a lot of time on the road. And in Canada, that's that means driving all night, like, to get from city to city. You know, you're driving hours. You're driving, you know, it's like the last song we listened to, like, another midnight. Like, I know it's not couched in that way in the song but you could take it that way because to me what i'm getting at here is this is a road record this is a this is their first record this is you know the ep is almost like those first four beatles records where they're playing cover songs they're still doing their garage act but this is this is it this is life on the road and all the shit that comes with it so mr Lydon, like that to me says you know, a lot about the songwriting style, but I'm wondering what you think of the songwriting. So, yeah, I, I briefly, you know, looked into uh, Gord's songwriting, how he did it. And so much of it led me to believe that he was, or they were meeting band, meeting people on the road and hearing these, you know, tough stories and, you know, just putting those into, song yeah that's the only thing i could come up with he wasn't sitting around to me making up these stories like they were influenced by something and that's how a lot of great writers and poets are like david berman i think a lot of what he wrote was about people he connected with at bars sitting around on a bar stool you know interesting yeah i'm not sure what are you thinking there pete to be honest with you i feel what you said, JD, about, you know, the darkness for these people this young and, you know, I often think about, you know, the way and Tim can relate to this, JD, you cannot because just by virtue of where you were born, you know, 
a lot of the way we view Canada is, you know, and to put it in just the most beautiful terms, it's snow, it's bears, it's Manitoba, it's maple syrup, it's mounted police. Everything's jolly. You guys have healthcare and everything's grand north of the border on the roof of the U.S. You know, in the most simplest terms. Now, when I look at, and, and J.D., this you and I have talked about, funny things like, you know, the show Trailer Park Boys, right? And yes, I'm making a big Canadian reference there, right? As funny as that show is, Tim, I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's not very popular Plenty. in the States. Plenty. Okay. Well, you know, as funny as that show is, and I love it to, to, my bo- to the core of my bones, um, that reality in some parts of Canada, you know, we don't view parts of Canada as being like, you know, some really dark, dreary parts of Portland where you're at, or me being from LA or Long Beach to me, to be more specific, there are some dark ass parts of Long Beach. Um, and it's, you know, that has, I don't know what Kingston's like. I don't know where these guys grew up, but I'd have to imagine, you know, being on the road and seeing, being exposed to different, different things had, had influenced their, um, their lyrical content to, to this, to, to make them go to this really dark place. And maybe that's why, again, they didn't, they didn't break through to the States, but I think it's all for the better. Cause I think the art would have suffered had they, had they done so, you know, or had they not done yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. I mean, definitely the specter of Millhaven lives large for a Kingstoner growing up in the seventies. I have to imagine. But I don't know. But I like the idea of the amalgam of their, you know, roots combined with all this time on the road accounting for that sort of songwriting style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's got to be why they had a good following in Detroit, you know, Cleveland, New York, all of that whole region because that's like t- some tough living around there and I in this this band I think resonates with so much of that so much of that yeah well fellas that's up to here uh there's only one thing left to do in this episode and that is for you to pick your playlist song your MVP of the album if you will um and uh, let us know what that is. So I don't know. Uh, I'm going to close my eyes and point at one. <laughs> um, JD, why are you doing this to me, man? I'm just going to go. Yeah, I'll go blow a high dough. I, it's, that's, you know, like you said, Pete, that's just a banger. It, it got me right, right, at the, right at the opening of the gate. I wonder if that's where your your view of the album as a whole comes from then as well, or it's influenced by the idea that, you know, your favorite track is the first track. It, you know, it should get better than that, right? Like, again, we're talking about song um, uh, structure here, uh, not structure, uh, sequencing. You know, like, Blah Hido is like the perfect song to... Um, 
open a concert or open an album, but it's also tough to get bigger than that. True. I think we start to with trickle down or every time you go, definitely every time you go, it just has a, a more singable single, you know, on the radio aspect to it. I think I'm just trying to, you know, find what resonates most with me with this band and where I'm going to see them stay at, I guess, sort of thematically and how they evolve, you know, and, and how I wanted them, I maybe subconsciously to evolve, especially on the production side of things that first song did it. Gotcha. All right, cool. How about you, Pete? It's a tough draw. I mean, blow the high note or 30 years old. I mean, flip a coin. Um, I won't do it. I won't do it. I no, can. don't do it. No, it's fine. Okay. So I'd say the first track too, it's just, it just, there's the thing that the reason why I'm t- saying that over 30 years old is because I remember listening the first time to 30 years old and being like, eh. and I don't want this, the person who's listening to this playlist to start listening to that and be like, you know, I, I want them to like just fucking love you, right? You know what I mean? I want them <laughs> yeah, to fucking right. love it. So, um, holding it. But yeah, blow out the high dough. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this again, fellas. We'll talk again soon. And um, we'll keep on getting hip to the hip. Do it. Looking forward to it. Thanks, JD. Pick up your shit. Thanks for listening to Getting Hip to the Hip. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review the show at gettinghiptothehip.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at gettinghippod. And join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fully and completely. Questions or concerns? Email us at jd at gettinghiptothehip.com. We'd love to hear from you. Dubra! Podcasts and such. <laughs>